okay. Ha la la. It's a bad place to put that. Okay. Hello, friends. It's me, Ross Sutherland. We met before at the thing, you know. It's good to see you again. How are you? Um, you're catching up with me on tour right now. I'm in Newcastle, actually, just preparing for my theatre show at Northern Stage tomorrow night. I'm very excited. Uh, it's weird, because I usually record this show from uh, my wardrobe, and I'm not in my wardrobe, so I feel a little, feel a little agoraphobic. Uh, I'll get over it. Um, so as well as being on, on, on tour right now uh, this month, I'm also the digital poet in residence for the poetry school. Uh, what that means is over the course of this month, I'm gonna be making 30 new videos that try to explore the relationship between poetry and film. It sounds quite grand when you put it like that. It's not gonna be particularly grand. Um, most of it's just gonna be really short, just little experiments. And hopefully there'll be a few other more sort of thought out pieces as well. And I'm going to be using these videos as kind of like an accompaniment to my theatre tour, seeing as I'm going to be in different towns most days. Anyway, I put most of the links to the videos on my Tumblr, that's imaginaryadvice.tumblr.com, and you can also see all my sort of theatre tour dates there as well. Um, this week, it's science fiction, uh, starting with a poem and then a short story. So, thanks for listening. Here we go. Imaginary Advice The Circus It was the year 2000 or possibly 3000 It was difficult to remember what my penis looked like amongst all those fake memory implants the government changed the slang name for cigarettes each month just to keep the time travellers nervous. I finished uploading the circus. The city terminated my account immediately, adding my name to a government list of unreliable narrators. All this was to be expected, yet the circus was irrevocable. The sky turned the colour of a dead man's helmet. I looked out the window so hard I could identify subatomic microprocessors hidden in the glazing. Execute circus. Forget bracket me plus one close bracket until clown bucket equals null. Then execute bracket strongman close bracket cut bracket trapeze close bracket then dot die open bracket close bracket. Janice flickered onto the video screen, already engulfed in the longing of the circus. Her face was turning into tiny ideas and heading for the coast. Perhaps, she said, you should think about hiding your signature somewhere. The circus would eventually unpick every characteristic, cleanse every detail, until she looked like a waxwork of Athena. As usual, I was one step ahead of her. 
my autobiography was already hidden inside a microdot, hidden inside the eye of microdot. Nested functions were somewhat a speciality of mine, hence the circus. Oh, Janice, on the night I wrote the circus, I did not come and speak to you and put my arm around you and ask you if you'd take a walk with me under the shadow of the great tetrahedron. I did not lead you through gridlock streets to a poetry recital on the 500th floor of an entertainment law firm, although those were the kind of things that inspired me and still do. And now I'm alone. I pressed return and nothing happened. And now I wonder if it ever will. found the severed hand in the backyard of La Bonita. I was working there at the time, making cocktails. The yard wasn't open to the public, it was just where we kept the bins. The hand was just lying there, square in the middle of the yard. I wondered if maybe it had been thrown from the roof of the multi-storey car park next door. To begin with, I kept the hand in a taped-up shoebox at the bottom of my wardrobe. But this led to all manner of madness around the house. Doors began to jam and then unjam at random. Pictures would fly off the walls. If I spent too much time upstairs, then I would start to experience memory loss, strange bruises, stuff like that. My flatmates, Jonathan and Sandy started to sleepwalk at night. Sometimes they would bump into each other on the landing. One night, Jonathan woke up to discover he'd walked all the way to the Moshi Mart in his sleep. The Moshi was a good ten-minute walk from our front door. You had to cross two motorways to get there as well. Jonathan was pretty upset, as well you might imagine. He said that he'd been dreaming about swimming in a giant black lake that had been writhing with all these strange creatures. Something like this. I don't know why, but I knew it had to be the hands doing. A giant writhing black lake just sounded like the kind of shtick it would pull.
turned out that the hand was easier to control at lower temperatures. I don't know why, but once the hand was moved to the mini fridge in the garage, things dialed down a bit. The garage was mostly taken up by an out-of-commission snowmobile that used to belong to my landlord. There was a few boxes of crockery in there too, an old chest of drawers, some tools, bottles for recycling. The mini-fridge was left over from my university days. I covered the hand in tinfoil as well. It was a spur-of-the-moment type thing, but it helped. It didn't even look like a hand anymore. It looked more like a big Christmas tree decoration. There was little reason for any of my flatmates to go into the garage. None of us owned a car and we certainly didn't do any gardening. I put a padlock on the fridge door and broke the light inside. I hid the fridge behind a workbench and covered the whole thing with a bit of plastic sheeting. This seemed like enough security at the time. I don't know what made me do these things. Sometimes you just got to go with your gut. I've never been the type of person who likes to ask questions. I was working two jobs back then. Daytimes, I did data entry for Gloomingfords. Then every night, I was back at La Bonita making cocktails. I first met Moira during a shift at the bar. She was wearing this backless thing with these guys. I remember they kept ordering strawberry mojitos. I think they were her work colleagues. Back then, Moira worked in the menswear department of Schuler's, another name that's long gone from this town. Moira came onto me, it's fair to say. No one had ever looked at me like that before. I was never much to look at. Moira's aunt had left her the house. It still had her aunt's chintzy curtains and embroidered yellow pillows on the couch. Seeing Moira wandering naked through those rooms with all its porcelain figurines and tasseled furniture, it was strange, but it kind of worked. Moira could somehow pull it off. She was that type of person. I think back on that time, and I see nothing but wasted opportunities. I remember nights when we would just watch TV or go straight to bed after work. We were together for around two months. I'd have known how little time we had together. I would have done things differently. By then, our part of the world was down to three hours of sunlight per day. We were already beginning to see the effects, particularly on the young. Kids had bigger eyes, big dilated pupils that would swim about whenever you passed them in the street. The news said that lack of sunlight was responsible for the rise in suicide rates. It was hard to listen to the news. Whenever it came on, my mind would immediately begin to wander. I would become instantly distracted by my phone. Sometimes I would find myself just staring at the wallpaper. Moira's aunt had papered her house with these dense floral patterns. It was easy to get lost inside them. 
particularly whenever a programme came on the TV about the strange weather, or the rising crime rates, or what was happening in France and Germany. I think this was a common problem at the time. People were always talking about it at the bar. The brain refuses to hear what it can't process. There was lots of talk about emigration. Moving closer to the equator was a popular idea. The days were longer there, still shrinking, but the effect was slower. One night in bed, Moira told me about a community meeting in Lanston. A group of young people were proposing to head south. Apparently she had some inheritance saved. She wanted to know what I thought. I told her I had nothing to say on the matter. Even thinking about it gave me a headache. I just knew it was wrong to leave town. There seemed little point in running. Whatever end we were facing, it felt better to do it at home. I pretended to go to sleep to avoid talking about it further. I just listened to the clicking sound of her laptop. Her fingers always moved so fast over the keys. A few days later, Moira was gone. She didn't take any of her stuff with her. She left her aunt's house unlocked, and I visited it a few times after she went. I never asked her what happened to her aunt, how she died, or why the house had been left to her. I'd no idea what happened to the rest of Moira's family. I suppose it's too late now for me to ever know. Long-term exposure to the hand gave me a certain amount of resistance to its effects. Certainly, it didn't affect me or my flatmates as strongly as it seemed to affect others. Soon after Moira left, I convinced Jonathan to come with me to a nightclub, Parker's, on East Road. On the whim, I decided to take the hand with me, stashed it inside a rucksack, which I kept on my back on the dance floor. You could tell that the people dancing nearest us were hearing different music to the rest of the room. God knows what the hand was pumping into their brains. Nightclubs had started to open round the clock by that point. Clubbers could earn rewards by staying on the dance floor for 24 hours straight. There were other rewards for lasting two days, three days. You got a gold pin badge if you stayed on the dance floor for a week. I remember there always seemed to be a lot of gold pin badges near us on the dance floor. I think the hand spoke to them the clearest. It always seemed to draw them out of the crowds. I never once stopped to think about the hand's original owner. Despite the fact that I saw the effects of the hand everywhere I went, I never tried to understand it, never imagined the arm it was once attached to, nor the body that followed. Never wondered what things those fingers had touched, what they had once pointed to, what other hands this hand had held or why. I never wondered about its signature, what pictures it had drawn as a child, whether it had once drawn a bright yellow sun blazing down on a drawing of a family. I never imagined a ballpoint pen scribbling words on the back of the hand, some future appointment. I never imagined it pressing the hold button on the lift or running a finger along the spine of a book. Nor did I wonder what had happened to that hand, 
that gave it such power over the rest of us. I didn't think about any of those things until many years later. Now, is it the moment to ask those questions has passed. It wasn't long before Jonathan and I earned gold pin badges of our own. We were excellent dancers. Not showy, but we got the job done. I suppose that I kissed a lot of girls on that dance floor that year, though it's a period that's almost lost to me completely. When I picture it now, I imagine that every single girl looked just like Moira. Everyone in the club seemed to have her face. And it's possible that this is just a trick of memory, that through the fog of time, her face is the only one I remember. But I prefer to believe that it was the doing of the hand, that even at the time Moira's face was all that I could see, its fingers in my brain seeking out my weaknesses, making me see things that were never there. I have to assume that I was under a curse. This is how the past feels for all of us. So broken and strange. Blighted by witchcraft. It's the only possible explanation. Occasionally, in the night, I get up to pee. Find myself standing in my front room in the dark. Remembering Moira. My heart clenched so tight that I can barely move. Funny to think that the hand still has a hold on me, even after all these years. So that's all for this week. Uh, the opening poem, The Circus, was first published in my poetry book, Emergency Window, which uh, you can buy from Penned in the Margins. And uh, then the story, The Hand, uh, was first written for Homework, which is the live night that I co-run at Bethnal Green Working Men's Club. That, uh, that night's currently on uh, hiatus. We're planning to be back uh, in uh, September, so a little while away yet. But yeah, that story originally came from there. Anyway, I'll be back in two weeks. Uh, this has been Imaginary Advice. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.